Uh, pay attention to this announcement. If a lion sees you, it's important to remain calm and still. Do not run. Do not run away, as this could trigger the lion's predatory instincts. Instead, try to make yourself as look as large as possible by raising your arms and speak in a calm and assertive voice. It may also be helpful to slowly back away <laughs> uh, while keeping your eye on the lion. If the lion charges, it's best to throw something at it and run in the opposite direction. However, it's important to remember that the lions are wild animals and it's best to avoid encountering them in the first place by being aware of your surroundings and staying on designated trails while in lion habitats. I hope that's been very helpful to you. Uh, very useful in that we're living so close to the Blue Mountains and you never know, that Black Panther might be roaming around somewhere. <clears throat> There's threats, there are real threats around us uh, and I wonder what threat you feel uh, acutely aware of. Last week in our sermon, uh, we looked at briefly, one, one of the verses we, we looked at was 1 Peter 5 verse 7, told us to cast our anxieties on him because he cares for us. What anxieties do we cast towards God? What are the things that you worry about and, and are concerned about, the things that perhaps you feel like are a threat to you, to your progress, to your, your health, to your safety, to your security? Um, maybe it's inflation, social change, political change, health, security, fires, shark attacks might be on your mind. But the passage here today um, gives us the biggest threat that we ought to be worried about. The greatest threat to your life is here in this passage. And the solution to that threat, how to avoid the threat, how to survive the danger. You see, there is an alert. Uh, begin, Peter begins here with an alert. I'm starting at, at verse 8 because verses 6 and 7 were covered in last week's uh, sermon. Uh, verse 8a begins like this. He says, be alert and of sober mind. Be alert and of sober mind. Uh, we've heard this before in chapter 1, verse 13. He said, uh, have minds that are alert and fully sober. Set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. You notice that the, we're being told back in chapter 1, verse 13, to have those minds, your brains, turned on, alert, ready for action, fully sober, not dull, not, not uh, falling asleep, but awake and having our hope set on something, on a person, on the grace that's being revealed to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're not just being smarter, turning our brains on and, being, and you know, filling our minds with anything. We're filling our minds with the hope of glory, of what God has uh, got planned for us. That, that's, so he's already covered this in chapter 1, verse 13, but again in chapter 5, verse 8, he says, be, be awake, be sober, be self-controlled and on your guard. Our, our minds, friends, are to be tuned in to that broadcast that Jesus Christ is king. Tune yourselves into that knowledge, into that hope, into that understanding. Uh, don't let the white noise of this world overtake you. All the floods of other information smother the, the truth that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he's coming back again, and he'll take you to, to that eternal kingdom that has been secured for you. Uh, make sure that you, you, we're always tuned into that 
that radio station. And our posture is not just like someone waiting for a train. You know, if we're waiting for this hope to be revealed, our posture is not just sitting at the train station waiting for the next train to come through. And you know, if we miss it, it's fine, we'll get the next one. Uh, no, we're to be alert and sober-minded, more like, not waiting for a train, but more like walking through the grasslands of the Serengeti, uh, where there's lions about. Because the alert is there, the warning is there, because uh, the, the danger is real. Chapter 8, uh, verse 8 again, be alert and sober-minded, uh, and of sober mind, your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion. There's the danger. There's a, a, a lion metaphor used. Last week we looked at some metaphors and we, we heard Peter use the metaphor of a flock, that we are a flock, we are God's flock. And Jesus is our shepherd, our chief shepherd. And in the flock, in the localised churches, we have shepherds, elders that, that oversee us. But there's a metaphor there of sheep and shepherds. And now we have inserted into that same metaphor now lions. You see, the, the, the sheep are in danger because there's a lion prowling around. And we just need to grapple with the seriousness, seriousness of that image. There is a lion that's looking for a food. There's a lion looking for a meal. Our enemy, the devil, is not a joke. He's not a cartoon character. Uh, just like we, have, we don't see God, but we believe in him and we trust him, we don't see the devil, but we acknowledge that he has been around since the beginning. In Genesis chapter 3, he wandered into the garden. Uh, it was the cleverest of the animals. And, uh, and he began a conversation with Eve, and both Eve and Adam were seduced by the, the leverage that he created between their trust in God and, and, and God, between the, relation, the good relationship of Adam and Eve with their God, Satan just put a wedge between that and, and filled that wedge with doubt. Did God really say, that? does he really want you not to have that apple? Oh, sorry, it's not an apple, that fruit, got to be accurate. Uh, does he really want you not to have that fruit? Is he, he's keeping something from you. Your life will be better if you have that fruit. Surely God wants you to be happy. Uh, God, Satan, Satan as, as calmly as a conversation, is like a lion looking for someone to devour. And he devoured Adam and Eve that day in Genesis 3. And in Mark chapter 4, he came and, and tried it again with Jesus. And he tried to put a leverage, a, a wedge between Jesus and the Father. But of course, Jesus did not succumb Jesus stood firm in his faith and his knowledge. He recited scripture, not just memory verses, but knowledge of who God is and God's purposes. So Genesis 3, Mark 4, and then now 1 Peter 5. Peter says he's not asleep yet. He prowls around. And he aims to drive a wedge between you and God, to create distance in your, in your knowledge, to grow doubt and to feed apathy towards your faith, that hope that has been um, given to us in chapter 1, verse 3, the great mercy of God, the living hope, that hope gets clouded and lost as we have our attentions brought to other things in life, as if those things matter. And all the while, Satan has managed to drive us away from God. So there's the danger. He's described as a lion. The threat, friends, is 
we're told that he's looking for someone to devour. He's not looking for a play date. This is not a cute little Simba moment. This is, uh, this is a, a lion looking to kill. The threat, friends, is being plucked from the faith that we have. He's looking to devour. Now, there's, there is a, there's a type of um, attack that we can receive, which is actual suffering. We can go through some actual suffering, persecution, and pressure to walk away from God. But the danger is not the suffering. The danger is that that suffering will lead us to doubt God and to turn away from God. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 10, Revelation 2.10, Jesus said, Don't be afraid of what you're about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you life as your victor's crown. Do you see that the threat is not the suffering? The threat is, the, is giving in, is letting go of our relationship with God um, because we want the pain to be over sooner. Some won't even need much pressure to be drawn away from, from God by Satan because y- your leg is already in his mouth. But Peter says there's a real threat here and there could be some suffering coming our way. Who knows? I don't know the future. I'm not a prophet. Uh, if there is some suffering coming our way because we're Christian and the book of 1 Peter has covered that topic, then our aim is to stand firm. Uh, to remember the faith that we have and endure the suffering because there will be an end to it. it won't, the, the suffering will not be the new norm. It will be for a period and there will be relief to come. So the, the attacks could come through actual, actual suffering. Uh, in the first century, it, it's unsure whether Peter's, when Peter wrote this, whether there was actual Christian suffering right there and then. Uh, being fed to lions and, or, or other types of persecution, or whether that happened in the very near future after Peter's letter was written. But there's another type of threat or a way that Satan gets his way, and that's through unreal deception. Uh, it's not physical, it's, it's mental. Uh, Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. Colossians 2, verse 8 says, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. You see, working backwards in Colossians 2 verse 8, he says, look, you need to anchor your mind in Christ. Christ is where the solid hope remains. His death, his resurrection, which points us to the eternal hope. But we live in a world that loves to dismiss the reality that Jesus Christ is king and that he has risen from the grave and he is Lord. Friends, that is, that is the truth. Our world loves to just camouflage that and Satan loves for us to keep forgetting that truth and uh, being exposed to all sorts of deceptive philosophy and hollow uh, logic that depends only on what humans know. What we know about Christ comes from God, comes from the Spirit and through his word. And so what the greatest threat, friends, is not that Satan is prowling around like a lion looking to devour. It's not the methods that he uses, it's the aim that he has, and that is to draw us away from God. 
The greatest threat for us is that we would weaken in our knowledge of God and our faith in God and, and let the devil win, be dragged off as one of his most recent collections. We have a defence. There's the threat. And we need to understand this is the greatest threat. Um, you, you may worry, be worried about your physical ailments, your ageing, your kids' futures, your grandkids' futures. You might be worried about all sorts of things. And there is a level in which we, that's, that's our responsibility, and yet these aren't our greatest threats. The greatest threat is your eternal hope in Christ. But here's the defence, and it, it, it's not surprising that our defence comes in two phases. One is to know, and then the second step is to stand. Uh, it's ironic, isn't it? The second step is to stand. Don't step, just stay. Uh, so the first thing is knowledge. Our defence is, is to grow in our knowledge. Have a look at verse uh, 10 with me. The grace of uh, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while will himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Do you notice that the, uh, uh, the direction of our attention is on God and not on us? Uh, I don't need to do, just be better. My advice to you in avoiding the threat is not to just be better. It is to continue to cast your anxiety on God because he cares for you to continue to trust in him and know what he has done. So breaking this down a little bit, he says to know. What do we, what do we need to know? Verse 10, first of all, we need to know the, grace, the God of all grace. And, back, and in verse 12, he ends by saying, This is, in my letter, Peter says, this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. The true grace of God. It, remember again, 1 Peter 1 verse 3, it's in God's grace great mercy that we give him thanks and praise Uh, not because we deserve things from him but because of his great mercy he has given us jesus christ to save us from death to to give us the promise of eternal life the grace of god means that we he has given us something that cost him the 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 price of his son uh, and gave us something that we could never buy we could never we can and we can never pay back something we don't deserve, and something we can never repay. This is the grace of God. As we, uh, as we go through our Growing in Christ course, we've just finished one, one cycle of the Growing in Christ course, the very first lesson in that course is to grapple with grace, to truly understand the grace of God. And everyone in the group has already heard about God's grace. It's not like we're giving them a brand new piece of information, but we say, look, before we move on, we actually really need to understand that our relationship with God has come entirely on the basis of him grabbing you from the clutches of Satan. That while, while you were easy prey, God sent his son and by the grace of God calls you into his family to call you the people of God. Once you were not a people, now you are the people of God, 1 Peter chapter 2. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Why? Because you're, a, you're a, a more interesting person to God than anyone else? No. Just because of God's grace. And there's that common, uh, that, uh, that cliche phrase, isn't it? But, but, by the, but for the grace of God go I. Uh, we are, we're not saved from the clutches of Satan because we're brilliant. We're saved by the grace of God. And that's wonderful. So that's, that's a first piece of information, our knowledge. 
What do we fill our minds with when we're, when we're trying to resist that prowling lion? The first thing is the true grace of God, that I'm saved because of God's great mercy. The second bit of knowledge found in verse 10 is that we have been called. Chapter 10, uh, verse 10, and the, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory. Again, just still focused on, still uh, surrounding that word of grace and mercy. It's not that you came to God, but that he came to you. I remember a, 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 an old Christian friend of mine told me his, his uh, conversion story. and He said he was, walk, he was doing the best job he could in life walking this way. He was trying to find God, trying to find truth, trying to find everything. And then God tapped him on the shoulder and said, turn around, I'm right here. He, God pursued him and found him and called him out of darkness into this marvellous light that is God. We have been called by God, the one who has no favourites. He shows no favouritism, has called you to be his very people, to receive mercy. Romans 8 verse 30 says, Those he called, he is also justified and has also glorified. He doesn't just call you and say, come here and do better. He says, come here and here's my son. See his wounds. See what he did to, to qualify you to be in his kingdom. So we, our knowledge is filled by the truth of God's grace, by, by remembering that he called us. And thirdly, that we are in Christ. This relationship is found in Christ. And the God of all grace who called you into the, uh, to his eternal glory in Christ. Uh, our relationship with God is always and forever through the redemptive work of Jesus Christ uh, at the cross. And, our, and, and we must maintain that relationship. We, we must always uh, praise the God of Father of our Lord Jesus, uh, the, 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 the praise God, his great mercy he has given us, Jesus Christ. In his great mercy he hasn't just given us a family name, in his great mercy, he sent his son. And so it's through his son that we come into relationship with him. So we're now filling our brains with knowledge. This is the defense, right? Our brains are getting bigger and bigger. The truth of God's grace. It's not me, it's God. Uh, that he called, he called us. I didn't find him, he found me. And he did this through Christ. It's not my work, it's Christ's work. And that brings us to the last point of our knowledge those first three are positive. Uh, God's grace, being called by God in Christ. The fourth one is a reminder. Just remember uh, in verse 10, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. Here, here is the application of those three positive things placed in the reminder that suffering will happen. And don't let suffering be the thing that clutches you away from God's care. As if you can say, look, God, why would God do this to me? Why would God allow this? Friends, the Bible never promises that God won't put you through hard things. In fact, the Bible says when you come to Christ, he will test, he will put you through trials to strengthen your faith. Peter has used the metaphor earlier of, um, of gold being refined uh, and purified. Because our faith can stand up to all sorts of trials when we fill it with that, that, the positive knowledge of what God has done through us, to us, uh, for us through Christ. And so we can look at trials of various kinds and say, you know what, this is, even this, 
I can persevere through in the name of Christ. And then, after we've filled our brains with knowledge and continue to remind ourselves of, that, of those four things, then we stand. We stand. Nothing should shake us. Uh, verse 10 again. We uh, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. That's our posture. To be uh, alert, sober-minded, we're filled with the knowledge of God, knowing that even though there is a predator out there who would love to pluck me from the faith, I know my faith, and I know the God who has saved me, and I will stand firm in it, so that nothing will shake me. Even the hardest trials that I go through will be hard, and I will cry, and I will cry out to God, and it will not be easy, but I will stand, and I'll stand firm by uh, the power of God. James chapter 4, verse 7 says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. You know, it's, they, tell, they tell me that when you're attacked by a shark, you just bop, bop it in the nose and it runs away. I, I'm never going to test that out. <laughs> I, t- I take their word for it. But it seems that God says, look, the devil is a real threat, but you shouldn't be scared of him when you stand firm in the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, I was at a... a, a, a um, a zoo, one of those small um, localised zoos down at Shoalhaven Heads, actually. It's a really wonderful zoo. Love it. Um, and I saw the crocodile show, and the crocodile keeper um, sat perched above the crocodile. And, uh, and there was nothing between him and the crocodile but air. And, uh, and he had his microphone on and teaching us everything, and he, and he, he, and he said, just look, watch what the crocodile does. And the crocodile was just dead still, not you know, dead like a stick you know, as they, they're trying to be. Didn't move a muscle. But then the crocodile um, owner just lowered his leg a little bit and the crocodile just tensed its muscles. And he said, did you see that? He said, while his leg was up high, the crocodile, hit the, this is what the trainer said to me, the crocodile says to himself, that food, that's hard food. That's going to take a lot of effort. I'm not interested. I want easy meal. But he said, as soon as he lowered his leg, the crocodile went, right, that's a bit easier. I'm ready now. I think that's what this, this is what Peter says. You know, the, 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 the devil is prowling around like a lion, and the lion wants easy meals. And so what we need to do is to strengthen our faith by the knowledge that we have in the true grace of God, called by God in Christ, and stand firm during those, especially through, through those hard times, because those are... Because if we are not standing firm, sober-minded and alert, then, then we are easy prey for Satan. But then we have um, the courage. The courage comes in the very last section, verse 12 to the end. The courage is that we're not alone. You're not alone in this. This is a beautiful gift of God that we are together. He says in verse 12, With the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother. Isn't that wonderful to have a brother who you think is faithful? You trust them. With everything. Silas was a faithful brother to Peter. I've written to you briefly, and it has been a brief letter, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand for fast in it. So there's Peter's reason for writing to remind us of the true grace of God and to stand fast in it. She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you her greetings. And so does my son Mark. Greet one another with a, a kiss of love. Peace to all of you. Who are in Christ, so we uh, we have um, hopefully faithful brothers and sisters, 
And this is what we want to continue to encourage in our church so that when you come to church, you're not just doing church with strangers. You're doing church with people who you're growing in, in your knowledge of them and, and, and we are encouraging each other in the faith, pointing one another towards Jesus. When, when, when you share with one another the trials that you're going through, whether it's you know, sickness or financial or whatever, just a tight depression, whatever it is that, you, that you're worried about, share those things and encourage each other to stand firm in the faith. Have faithful brothers and sisters here at church. And if you feel a bit lonely here at church, then, well, talk to me about it. Um, but can I encourage you that one of the great things about church is that you've all come here choosing not to stay at home alone. And so you could actually imagine for a second that other people here would enjoy you walking up to them and saying, hello, I haven't spoken to you before, or it's been a lot while, would you like to have a cup of tea? And, and make those friendship connections. That's my assumption. My assumption is here you like me at least a little bit, and therefore I can, I can talk to you. Churches, uh, then he talks about the, 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 um, the metaphor of Babylon. It, uh, some comment, commentators um, say, say that's um, the church in Rome. Um, it could also be just that scattered church mentality, that the church is scattered right a- across the globe, not in a holy land but in the foreign land. It, it really doesn't matter which, where you land uh, with that. But churches um, everywhere uh, are going through the same type of suffering as we are. Don't think that Kingswood is unique in the things that we experience. Um, um, as, as belittling as it might sound, this church uh, goes through the same things that a lot of other churches go through, and we're not unique. But we have the, the apostles' teaching. Peter here, we've, we've highlighted before in previous sermons that Peter was, in, in humanly speaking, Jesus' right-hand man, uh, one of his prime disciples. And we have a letter here from Peter, but he mentions here, uh, and so does my son Mark, the one who wrote the Gospel of Mark. And we began our year together uh, going through the Gospel of Mark. That's wonderful. We have Peter and his uh, son in the faith, Mark, gathered together, and the, the, the scriptures are being written. And he ends with this beautiful thing, verse 14, greet one another with a kiss of love. So there you have it. I hope that you begin kissing each other. Um, it, COVID is over, so it's okay. You can wear a mask if you like to, uh, to just help. No, um, I, I'd, I'd like to think that the kissing part of that sentence is cultural, and so if it's not cultural to greet each other with a kiss, then that may not be the right thing. High fives, uh, fist pumps, um, side hugs. Um, but the key there is to greet one another, and to greet one another in love. There's there's the takeaway from that from that verse. Let's be a church that grows in our, in our knowledge and love of God because of the true grace of God given to us and in our, our love for one another. We are broken people and this, this love that we have for each other takes work. But praise be to God that he gives us brains that work, he gives us um, compassion and understanding and he closes the letter by saying, peace to all of you who are in Christ. I, um, if you go home and um, search on YouTube uh, for buffalo, crocodile, buffalo, crocodile, lion, 
uh, you'll come up with a, a video. It's been on YouTube for a long, long time. And it's a little, um, it's a real life, no, there's no graphics, no special effects. It's a real life thing that happened. But a herd of buffaloes were walking by uh, a body of water. It was a lake or a river or something like that. They're walking by the water and they're walking directly towards a pride of lions, about six or seven of them. And, uh, and amongst the buffaloes is a little tiny baby buffalo. Now, just, I'm going to tell you the story, but just, I'll just let you know there's a happy ending, okay? <laughs> Uh, spoiler alert. So the, the, the buffalo heads straight to the pride of lions and, and the lions go, wow, this is cool. And one of the lions goes straight for which buffalo? The baby. And he tackles the, the buffalo and they both, the lion and the buffalo, end up in, in water. The herd of buffaloes run off, scared, and then uh, the, the, the lion is joined by other lions. And there's about two lions in the water um, with this baby buffalo. And that while they're trying to get the buffalo out of the water, a crocodile comes and, uh, and, and they play tug-of-war with this little baby buffalo. And that goes on for just a, a, about a minute or two and the lions win and they get the buffalo out of the water. So bad luck, croc- there was two crocodiles actually. Uh, so bad luck, crocodiles, they lose and so now the, the lions look like they've won. But guess what happens next? The buffalo herd comes back and they come back in greater number. And they, they surround the lions who think that they've won and just one by one, the big buffaloes just um, separate the lions, go in there and just, and just scatter them. Lions go flying through the air. Uh, and the baby buffalo lives. Isn't that a wonderful story? Uh, the buffalo were walking into danger. And at the end of the day, it was the herd that gathered, uh, looked after the weak one and helped them to, to survive. God has given us a church, a church with the knowledge of our great God who's already won, the vac- already won the battle and so the lion's teeth have been filed. Uh, what is our greatest threat is our weak and shallow faith and so our, uh, our defence is to grow in our understanding of God, in our maturity and, uh, and become... Uh, um, hard food for the devil. Let me close in prayer. Lord God, we thank you that we are not alone, but we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses who uh, saw Jesus, saw his death and resurrection and wrote down everything they, they witnessed and passed it down to us. We thank you that we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses who have lived the life of, uh, of loving the Lord Jesus Christ and growing in our faith and knowledge. We thank you for the church scattered right across this globe and we pray that you'd strengthen us to stand firm in the faith, not being plucked away one by one, but growing in our knowledge of you, standing firm through all circumstances because we know that one day Jesus Christ will return or take us home and everything that we desire will be fulfilled as we wait eagerly for him to, uh, to save us. We pray for your help, Lord, as we grow as a church. Help us to grow in our knowledge of you. Help us, Lord, not to uh, be satisfied with the level of knowledge we have, but to grow um, in, in the knowledge of your grace. We pray for your help in this through your spirit and by your word. Amen.